Thank you, Jacinta. Thank you, band. Good morning, church. How are you all? You good? Good to hear. I'm also good. Thank you for asking. Yes, it's good to be with you all. It's so good seeing you all on the way in, saying hello. If I didn't get to shake your hand, I apologize. I was probably shaking someone else's hand or caught up in conversation. But it's going to be a good morning this morning. A couple of things. Uh, you know what? Have a look at the person on your left and right, first of all. Yes, you probably sat next to someone very attractive. Your special someone. Yes, very nice. Right, now, now uh, if you're on every, every other row, please turn around and just have a look at the person behind you. Yes, come on, we're a smart congregation. We can work this one out. Every other row, otherwise everyone turns around and uh, looks at each other's hairdos. Hopefully no bed hair this morning. Yes, very good. You know, tips for bed hair for short hair people like me, beanies. I keep a beanie in my car, whip it on when I'm driving around. Probably look like a thug, but that's all right. It's not about what I'm driving. It's about when I get out. Yes, you know what? The people you just looked at, you are going to get to spend eternity with them. How good is that? That's so good, isn't it? Eternity. So if you like them, like, that's pretty good, eh? If you don't, well, you're gonna learn to love them because they are sticking around for a long, long time. Time that just keeps ticking. You know, when you're waiting for something and, uh, or, you, or you, you're not even waiting for something, even worse, when you, when you want something right now and time's just ticking away, well, it's just gonna keep ticking, my friends. It's never gonna stop. How good is that? You're gonna get to spend all eternity with your loved ones. I think that's awesome. I always picture heaven like family time got the food and the drinks and the kettles on and board games are out. Dad's telling awful jokes and thinks are funny and everyone else is like trying to scheme something and we've got two boys over here playing balloon battles on their phones and some girls are plaiting each other's hair and stuff like that. I'm like, it just sounds like a good time. Sounds like heaven. It's good, isn't it? There's so much to look forward to. You know what? Can we, uh, just for a moment, Humor me, please, church. Can we put uh, Pastor Wayne Check back up on the screen? Just check this promo video out. That's a man of steel right there. Here he, ready? Ready? Here it comes. Look at that pose for a preaching pose for tonight. Can you guys repeat something after me? Say, Wayne Check is going to be there tonight. Mm. Now say, God is going to be there tonight. Now say, I am going to be there tonight. Oh, I set you up. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's get into this morning. Church, part two. A couple of weeks ago, uh, launched a little mini-series, Doubleheader. Who loves a good doubleheader? When God is silent, this morning I'm going to preach a message of entitled, When God is Too Late. When God is Too Late. Is anyone waiting or believing for something this morning that they haven't seen yet? Hands up. If you are waiting for something or believing for something that you haven't seen yet, I know I am. I know I am. I'm pretty sure every single person could put their hand up for that one. Let's pray this morning before we open Scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your word, it brings life. God, we thank you that you are good. You are good to us. You love us. Your love for us is abundance. Jesus, I thank you that we have the history right now of your cross it stands as a testament for all time that your love for us is supreme, that you would go all the way for us, 
So Lord, this morning I pray that we would be uplifted by your presence in this place, Lord, that we would be encouraged. Lord, that we would walk out closer to you, I pray, this morning. God, let the lies of the enemy be removed. Lord, let the eyes of the enemy dissipate this morning in your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, this morning I wanna to read to you to kick things off the story of the raising of Lazarus. And uh, I just want you to get comfortable. It's a long story, but it's a good story. I'm gonna start John chapter 11, verse one. It goes like this. There's a man named Lazarus who was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said this, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory for this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. You know, if something doesn't happen when you think it's meant to happen, can I encourage you that it does not change who God is. God is love. God is love. God is good. Amen? The best is still to come. He goes on. His disciples objected, Rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. They said, are you going there again? I feel like this, I was like, because if you're going, it sort of means that we have to go. You sure you wanna go there? Sometimes I think uh, the boys had a, had a little bit of invested interest in their statements to Jesus. Anyways, Jesus replied with this. He said, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Check this out. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. You know, Thomas in that moment, his statement, literally thought that because Lazarus was dead and Jesus said, let's go see him, that Jesus was gonna die so that he could see Lazarus. And they're like, let's go die too and we can see Lazarus. Like, you know, I feel like, for Thomas, it, at least he you know, was starting to, to capture the, the bigness of God and that that wasn't something weird or unusual to think that that was possible. You know, the miracles that Jesus had been performing obviously were starting to take an effect. Verse 17, and Jesus arrived at Bethany. He was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus is coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. See what's happening? There's a crowd starting to build around Jesus in this moment. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. The church, he is the resurrection and the life. It's who he is. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they told him, Lord, come see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? I encourage you, don't listen to lack of faith around you. There's always plenty of people to throw their, their comments and opinions in. And if it's lack of faith, ignore it. Don't listen to it. Don't let the comments around you start to have an effect on your faith. Just because you can't see it does not mean that it is impossible for Jesus, amen? Sure, Jesus could have kept Lazarus from dying, but Jesus could also raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was still angry. And he arrived at the tomb in a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Church, can I encourage you this morning, when God is too late, you can be rest assured that the best is still yet to come. When God is too late, I can promise you this morning that the best is still yet to come. Amen? You know, I, I love in this moment, in the middle of all of what's going on, you think about this, people, people crying, people questioning Jesus, all this commotion, a stone being rolled across in the front of the grave, all this incredible stuff going on. There's a crowd that's formed and the only thing that Martha can think of is how bad it's gonna smell. Master, four days, my brother's been in there. The smell 
will be terrible. I love that. Like, the only thing that she can think of is how bad this thing is, is going to smell. It's, I mean, not that smell, bad smells are good. You don't really want to smell them. It's funny, though, isn't it? Like, sometimes you just can't help it, can you? Like, you know you really don't want to smell this bad smell, but it's curiosity takes over, and you're like, man, I, I, I think I'm going to regret this. And, uh, but then you smell it anyway. Yep, regret. Yep. I don't know, maybe that's a guy thing or something, but... Some thoughts from Lazarus, from thoughts from this moment. Could Jesus have got there in time to have healed Lazarus? Yes. Did Lazarus have to die? No. But was it God's best? So I love that Jesus' response to this situation when he was told that Lazarus was sick. He made a statement and he said that Lazarus' story will not end in death. It was a true statement, it didn't. He did die, but it didn't end in death, did it? He made a statement that he knew that he could back up. He's the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. Lazarus's sickness would not end in death. You and I have a choice to proclaim and declare the truth of the word of God in our lives or not. It can be hard in the moment, though. It can be hard in the moment to exhibit this type of faith, to have faith when it doesn't look like it's gonna work out good. Or maybe it already hasn't worked out for you. It can be really hard to maintain faith in God when God is too late. You know, I think about the, the Israelites who were caught up in Egypt for 400 years, having come in as free people and getting taken over and now as slaves living, generations would have been born and died, yet they hadn't received what they thought was their promised land. But can I put it to you like this this morning, for those who died during that time of slavery, did not they enter the promised land? Did they not enter paradise? And I wonder, I wonder which promised land they would have preferred. I wonder which promised land they would have rather had. Was God too late for Joseph? Was God too late for Moses? Was God too late for Naomi? Was God too late for the Shumanite, Shunammite woman's boy? You think about all of the different stories that we have to build faith from. Was God too late for Lazarus? Was God too late for Peter? Was God too late for humanity? There was this other time that uh, God was definitely way too late. Uh, it, it was so late that it was now awkward and inappropriate what Jesus was going to do. There's a story of the widow's son being raised this time. There's a funeral procession going on, Jesus with his boys walking, walking along, heading to the next town to do more good, to do what he'd been called to do, to do what his father had asked him to do. And he sees this moment going on and he does what no one would do. He walks towards a funeral. If you're gonna crash something, crash a wedding, crash a party, crash a neighbor's backyard barbecue. It's not appropriate to crash a funeral. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He goes in and does two incredible things and makes a statement that you wouldn't make at a funeral. First of all, he touches the coffin. Nobody touches the coffin. The only people that touch the coffin are the coffin bearers or the close family that, that carry the coffin out. It's, a, it's an incredible moment of memory and respect 
of a loved one. And Jesus walks into the middle of a funeral of someone he does not know, was not invited to, and touches the coffin and stops the entire funeral procession and then turns to the woman and says, woman, don't cry. You can only make a statement like that to a woman, a widow who has lost her husband, her only son is dead, she is crying and grieving. Only a statement like that can be made if you can back it up. But our Jesus can back that statement up and he knew what he was about to do. He had faith in his father. He knew the power and authority that he carried. He knew that he could make a statement like that and back it up and he did. He turns to the boy and says, boy, get up. And the boy sits up and he hands the boy back to his mother. He was able to do that. So was God too late? Maybe, but did God come through? Yes. You know, did it have to happen that way? Did, did the boy have to die? Could Jesus not have healed the boy? Of course. Can I put it to you like this? So I can only imagine that that miracle would have outweighed the death, that that miracle of life would have built more faith in that woman and not just the mom and the son, but also all of those people around that circumstance. Can you imagine the faith that would have been built within their life to see what Jesus could really do? Can I encourage you this morning? Maybe you've been waiting for God to do a miracle for you, but the only miracles you see him doing are the ones that everyone else is receiving. It can be difficult to have faith when you're waiting for God and you see other people's miracles being answered. People praising God for their miracle and you're still holding on. You're waiting, you're praying, you're doing everything you know to do and everyone else seems to get it. Except you. You know, your friend gets engaged and he still hasn't asked the question. You're waiting and you're waiting. Your colleague gets a promotion at work and you know you're way more qualified. Well, that person, you know, man, Pastor, I just want to praise the Lord this morning. I've been waiting for like three months, like three months, like it feels like a lifetime and God has come through for me, praise God. And you're like, shut up, I've been waiting for three years, been waiting for 13 years, 30 years. This person over here has only been waiting three months and God's come through for them. It can be difficult. In moments like that, can I encourage you, church, respond in grace and faith, praise God for their miracle. Praise God for their miracle. Let it, let it only grow more expectation in your life. Let it only build more faith in your life. Okay, God, you've come through for her. God, you've come through for him. I know you can come through for me. God is awesome and he will come through for you. Is God ever too late? Is God ever really too late? Come on, God came through for Lazarus. God came through for the widow. God can come through for you too. You can keep believing you can keep holding on. You can keep praying. Just because you can't see it happening does not mean that God is not working behind the scenes. It does not mean that God does not love you. Just because your faith has not come to its full fruition yet does not mean that it is not complete in Him. You know, when Daniel prayed to, to God for an answer, God answered him straight away. It might have taken three weeks to get to him because of the enemy fighting, holding that answer back. But God heard instantly and God answered straight away and God's answer did come through for Daniel. God will come through for you too. 
what do we do when God is too late then? How do we respond when bad happens and maybe even keeps on happening? How do we get through when God doesn't seem to be coming through? I want to use the story of Job to illustrate this point. In Job chapter 1, all these heavenly beings are coming into the throne room and they are starting to spend some time with the king of all kings. And, and it says that God turns towards Lucifer and says, have you noticed my servant Job? And he is awesome. And then Satan, our accuser, starts to say, well, yep, you know, uh, I have noticed because uh, I've been roaming around the earth and uh, checking things out. And I reckon that if uh, you took your hand of protection and provision off of that guy's life, he'd curse you. He wouldn't like you anymore. And the story goes on. Job loses a lot, like a lot. Loses his children, loses his wealth, loses the homes, loses it all. It says that he was the richest man in that entire region and he goes through an incredible season of loss. Not just property and not just stuff, not just his, his animals, his wealth, his income to produce, but his own children. And all he's got is a couple of leftover servants and some so-called friends coming to, to try and be with him. And Job makes this statement. We'll read it together. Job chapter one, verse 20. He stood up and tore his robe in grief and shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the beginning, Job thought he understood God, didn't he? As the story goes on, we get to the end in chapter 42 and Job realizes how possibly could he have even thought to have understood the ways of God or the thoughts of God. His, his statement here, the Lord gives and the Lord takes, blessed be the name of the Lord, it depicts God as a mean God. His statement depicts God as someone who hurts people. You know, we can almost read it that God was trying to settle a score with Satan. Despite his statement though, the word says that he did not sin by blaming God. Was this really what the story told us though? Was it really what happened? At the end, God doesn't defend his actions to Job. He responds to the statements and the belief that Job had about his father. Instead, he explains to Job that he's not like that at all. You see, we get to see the story through omniscient perspective, seeing that it's not God that's doing the taking at all. It's the enemy of, of Job. It's the enemy of his soul. It's Satan that's doing the taking. He might have been making a statement that seemed godly, but it wasn't the truth about God at all. God doesn't do evil. God does only good. God responds and blesses Job with double blessings in his life and also commands Job's friends to have Job pray for their repentance so that he would accept their prayers. See, Job's initial statement was made with a lack of understanding of who God really is. Church, God is good. He only does good. God is love and he has the best for us. You know, there's some 
modern conjecture to whether uh, Job was even a real man or whether it was a story or maybe some biblical poetry, but I can tell you this, and I'm sure and convinced of it, that it is the word of God and it is truth and it is able to help you and I. See, sometimes we can't understand the mysteries of God. We can't understand how God does things, but we do know that God is good. Why did Jesus have to die? Was there another way? Why did he ask? Why does God not skip the earth part and take us all straight to eternity if he knows what's gonna happen anyway? Why, why do we have to endure the pain? Why do we have to go through what we go through? Do people even get choice? Can God still be surprised? See, Job knew that despite his circumstances, God was still his answer. Despite his circumstances, Job knew that God was still the answer. Even though he was in deep pain, God was his answer and God was his redemption. Church, God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Is the God of the Old Testament different to the God of the New Testament? Is the God that we read of different to the God that you and I serve today? Is the God that we read about in the word of God, is he different to the God that you and I have access to? No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is love, God is the same, God is going to do good for you and I. He has a plan, it's a good plan. It's not to hurt us, it's to prosper us. God is love, God does love you. The bad and the evil in this world will not have the final say, amen? He is victorious. Come on, this time is shorter than you and I think it is. The end of this time may not be pleasant, but my revelation for you this morning to encourage you is that God gave us death as a gift. Let me read this to you, Genesis chapter three. Just after Adam and Eve have sinned, God comes down and he finds them and he has this conversation with them. The man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. The Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out now and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. And after sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Church, you and I, we won't ever really die. We won't ever really die. The first death is a gateway to eternal life. Where we spend eternal life is based on our relationship with Jesus, but I wanna encourage you, there is life to come and it is eternal life and it is something for you and I to look forward to. God did not want us to live forever in our sin and our suffering and our pain, the things that we do that hurt ourselves, that hurt those around us, that hurt the future us. So God protected us from the tree of eternal life so that we would not have to live in that. He caused it so that you and I would die in this body but be raised again. We don't grieve without hope. As children of God, we have something to look forward to. What about that moment when Mary was looking at her son hanging on the cross? 
Let me give you some thoughts this morning. Can you imagine what Mary was going through in that moment? Can you imagine a mother looking at her son having to die, having have been brutalized and beaten and whipped beyond physical description? Can you imagine being Mary standing there having to watch her child who, who she gave birth to, who she raised? Can you imagine what Mary was going through, what she was enduring? But can I put to you this morning that what Mary was enduring in that moment, God himself was also enduring. Jesus' Father endures it all. Love endures it all. See, God had to let his son go. He had to turn away from his son in that moment, in that moment of greatest struggle and the weight of the world upon him. No one could help, could help him. My friend this morning, Jesus literally took it all. Not just sacrificing his life, but taking on all sin ever committed, still being committed, and that ever would be committed, all the evil, all the yuck, all the filth, he took it on in that moment. Of course, it would have been better for Mary to have had Jesus remain. To see him grow up, he could help her look after her in her old age. Of course, it would have been better, but was it? Of course, it would have been better for Mary to have Jesus around till the end, but was it? The best for Mary was to let her son go. Might not have seemed like it in the moment. It might not have seemed like it as the years went on. Mary was human. But now what Mary had to look forward to, I know, I know God would have comforted her. I know the Holy Spirit would have filled her too. It's not natural for a parent to lose their child. But it was the best version of Mary's story for her to let him go. It's the best version of our story to place our life in God's hands. See, God's best may not look like what we think it's meant to look like. What's happening in our life might not look like what we think it should look like. It might not look like what we are hoping it would look like. But can I encourage you that the best is yet to come. It doesn't make it easier in the moment, no. But the eternal glory of what you and I will receive, the full inheritance through our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't even imagine how good it is. The best is yet to come. Can I have the band come back, please, this morning? Let me give you some encouraging verses to, to take home today. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight to nine. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My last one for this morning, Galatians chapter six, verse nine, says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing 
if we don't give up. Church, we pray. We pray. We believe God is in control. God is good. God is love. The best is yet to come. Would you stand with me this morning? I believe God wants to bring some freedom into the house this morning. This is a house of salvation. This is a house of healing. This is a house of freedom. This is God's house. In His presence, in His throne room, as His children, you are allowed to boldly request. You are allowed to boldly enjoy. You are allowed to boldly spend time in the most holy of holy places. Church, there are lies from the pit of hell that come against us to cause us to question the faithfulness of God. There are lies from the pit of hell that come against us, that remind us of the bad that has happened, that question the goodness of God, that question the love of your Father. But you are allowed to, in His presence, ask and ask again. You are allowed to, in the Holy of Holies, you are allowed to, in the throne room of Jesus, of the King of all kings, the Creator of the universe, you are welcomed. And you are encouraged to boldly spend time there in the presence of the One who does love you, despite what your physical eyes see, despite what the enemy of your soul tries to tell you in your mind, can I tell you today that you can proclaim and declare that God is good, that God is love and that the best is yet to come. Those lies need to stop. And the only way to combat spirit is in the spirit. You have to take the sword of the Word of God and proclaim it and declare it to combat those lies. Those lies that cause doubt, those lies that initiate isolation in our life, try and pull us away from church, pull us away from the family, pull us away from the presence of God. They are lies, they need to be broken. They're gonna be broken this morning, amen? Come on, if God hasn't come through for you yet, then I can promise you boldly this morning that the best is yet to come. Come on, even if you can't even work out how it is possible, it's not even physically possible. It doesn't line up with physics or logic, but none of what is in the Scripture often did. Sons standing still, dead people being raised from the dead. Come on, you serve a God that can do the impossible and He can do it for you and He can do it today. Come on, when God is too late, when God is too late, He's going to come through. When God is too late, He is going to come through. Come on, church, this morning, keep praying, keep believing, don't lose heart, don't lose faith. Don't begin to doubt, He is good. Come on, yet not my will, Lord, let Your will be done. God, I will trust in You. Come on, He's always been the answer, He always will be. Jesus is the answer. You can hold on.
Church, can I encourage you this morning that God has not forgotten your situation. God has not forgotten you. God knows exactly what you are going through because He is enduring it with you. God is good. God is love. There's a myriad of reasons why sometimes we have to wait for God to come through. Sometimes, yes, I've seen it in my own life. Miracles, instantaneous miracles. Sometimes I've spoken out the truth of the Word and I've seen an instantaneous miracle take place. But sometimes I've prayed and I've had to hold on. I'm still praying for some things that I'm still holding on to. But can I tell you that the circumstance or the situation does not dictate what God can do. God can do what you need Him to do. Maybe He is growing you. Maybe you are waiting for something that you don't recognise. Maybe, maybe your, your blessing that you want, maybe it is going to be revealed in the time to come. Come on, you and I were created to live forever. It is not about this time. We are eternal beings. We will have no end. God is good. He is love. He does want the best for us. Like every story, every situation, God does want the best for your life.